0: What a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and our uh, worship time, our songs uh, have reflected that, and the enthusiasm is really the theme of this morning's message. We want to welcome all of you to Grace Community Church, appreciate those who are watching online or will be streaming this to their, uh, uh, to their phone or whatever later on today or this week. We very much consider you uh, a part of our family too, but pray that someday you'll be able to attend in person, because we're going to talk about that today, too, how important that is. A very quick update on Ken Heron, uh, still in the hospital, uh, possibly uh, getting released here in the next day or two, nothing definitive on that, but uh, uh, they're going to try to get him moved to maybe even Brookside or some other facility to continue care. Please pray for Ken, Uh, uh, just having a difficult time. Uh, with some uh, some health issues. And uh, we have others. Uh, just a reminder to look at that prayer list on the back of the bulletin uh, that you received this morning. And if you did not get one, please get one as you leave. Wow. I'm going to begin with something that's uh, it's a little bit difficult to to segue into after such an energetic and exciting uh, intro. Uh, But I want us to be very much praying for the church in America. Now, I encourage all believers to pray for the church worldwide, all believers everywhere, maybe even more so, obviously, for those who are worshiping in persecuted countries where death is a reality every day because of their Christian faith, but i assure you the church in america needs prayer i don't know whether you're aware of not aware of or not a bill that just recently passed in the house of representatives it was called born alive abortion survivors protection act how many are familiar with that bill The bill passed 220 to 210. 210 people voted against requiring medical care given to a baby born alive. In other words, if it's a botched abortion... That did not result in the termination of a life in the womb. If that baby was delivered alive, it can be left. (laughs) Can be left on the table to die. My friends, that is barbaric cruel, inhumane, cold, heartless, vicious murder. It's what pagans do in the Bible. It's exactly what Moloch was all about in the sacrifice of living children. If you're here this morning... And you're visiting with us. Pray for me that I can forgive those 210 people. That's what I need. That's what I need. But we are a pro-life church. And we're going to continue to pray for the sanctity of human life. Protected in the womb. And right on through childhood and adulthood. We believe that life is. Is sacred. And I don't know about you, but I'm angry. I'm angry that we have that kind of disgusting moral failure in the halls of Congress. Brother Cliff Fisher, would you pray for us as we make our way into the rest of our service today and celebrate the goodness and greatness of our God. And my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I do pray for those 210 people who are very lost, very lost. And we need to pray. But doesn't it just provide the evidence of the need for the Christian voice in America today, the need for the Christian voice in the world today? And, and, And like Cliff prayed, God is on the throne But I do believe he's calling his people out. He's calling his people out to stand for what is right and true and pure and righteous and holy. And I'm excited about that. Amen? I'm excited about that. Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 and 17 says, Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God. At the place that he will choose, at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of booths, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord and your God that he has given you. This is worship. We are making our way through the Psalms of Ascent, and Deuteronomy 16 describes those three annual festivals in which the Jewish pilgrims would make their way to Jerusalem to meet with their God, their holy God, their provider, their protector, their Savior, and the purpose was to worship, to worship. We are studying the Psalms of Ascent chapter 120 through 134 of the book of psalm and today we are going to read psalm 122 it is a third psalm of our 15 psalm series so if you would please and are able please stand at the reading of god's word psalm 122 and i hope you'll see why we have presented a A theme, if you will, in building up to the reading of the word. A song of ascents of David. We get an author at the proclamation of this psalm. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And pausing, remember the Deuteronomy passage we just read. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who loves you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning, be honored by it. And Father, our prayer in the precious mighty name of Jesus is that these truths will be inscribed upon our hearts. And we will be able to sing with exuberance. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are 15 psalms of ascent. We are once again on the third psalm, and I want to share with you an interesting pattern. If you break the 15 psalms into five groups of three, you will notice there is a pattern within each group. The first psalm in each group focuses on trouble. The second psalm in each group focuses on trust. The third psalm in each group focuses on triumph. Just remember those three words. Because here we are at the third of 15 psalms, and we're already at the gates of Jerusalem. We say, well, what are we going to do next? Well, we're going to start over. (laughs) We're going to start over with another series of three, which leads us right back to the gates, right back to the temple. But each time we get a little higher and a little higher and a little higher, and things are improving all the way. Brothers and sisters, in the world in which we live, things are going to grow progressively worse, and we're going to grow up progressively higher as we move closer to glory. Amen? Amen. So if you look once again, the first group of five, 120, 121, 122, we have we have began with a, a, for, a, a pilgrim being in a foreign land, being in a godless land amongst people who are godless, who don't understand his ways, and he's very anxious to get out of there. In Psalm 121, we see, well, I look to the hills from where my strength comes from. I know that God's going to deliver me. I know he's going to get me through to the end of my journey. And in Psalm 122, boom, we're at the temple. Meeting with God. And it starts over, 123, 4, and 5, 126, 7, and 8. You see that? I want to encourage you, if you would, please, to read through the Psalms, these 15 Psalms, and see if you can establish in your own mind the pattern that God has set forth in the Psalms of Ascent. Well, enough by way of introduction. Today we stand inside the gates of Jerusalem. Excitement is peaking. We get to go to church. We get to go to church. It's Sunday morning and God's people are gathering. They brought their offerings and their sacrifice of praise. You know, I heard a story one time about this husband and his wife who were discussing one early Sunday morning hour about going to church. And the wife was somewhat interested in going, but the husband was very defiant. Said, I don't like it there. The people don't like me there. There's always someone talking bad about me, and there's just, oh, and there's hypocrites there. I don't want to go. I don't have any interest in going. And she said, you have to go. You're the pastor. That's an oldie but a goody, isn't it? After Pentecost, the early church showed this same zeal. Great pleasure to serve the living Christ. Great praise for all he had done. Great prayer expecting him to do mighty works. And they met with a greater purpose than themselves. They met for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Raven Hill, a great old preacher. Well, I don't know how old he is. He's not that old, but he's, he's, he's older than me. That's old. I want to read this to you. It, it kind of, mm, it's got a punch to it. But I quote, Ravenhill, it is sad to say that the modern day church is a far cry from what God intended for her to be. Ravenhill states that the matter clearly in the following, many articles have been written, he says, regarding the electronic church. The New Testament church was not electronic, it was electrifying. The church fresh from the upper room invaded the world. Now the church in the supper room is invaded by the world. The New Testament church did not depend on the moral majority, but rather on a holy minority. The church right now has more fashion than passion. It is more pathetic than prophetic. It is more superficial than supernatural. The church the apostles ministered in was a suffering church. Today, it's a sufficient church. Events in the spirit-controlled church were amazing, and this day, the church is often just amusing. The New Testament church was identified with persecution, prisons, and poverty. Today, many of us are identified with prosperity, popularity, and personalities. We lack apostolic power because we lack apostolic piety, and we lack apostolic piety because we lack apostolic purity. We here at Grace Community Church in Overbrook, Kansas, are committed to being a New Testament church. A New Testament church, not the church that's so often found within our culture today. The early church was focused on three things. They were the body of Christ, bought with the blood of Christ, and concerned about the business of Christ. How many times can I go over these words, brother? Brother? Adam, uh, I'm on a roll. <laughs> it, it, it was the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ, but it was purchased by the blood of Christ. And when the church gathers today, our main primary focus is the business of Christ. What does Christ want to do in his church? <clears throat> Excuse me. How does he want to use his church to change these things in the culture that we are so disgusted with? So what can we learn of this great Psalm of praise? How can we recapture the passage. And if you'll notice the title of the message this morning is it's time for those in the house of the Lord to meet the Lord of the house. Or Elvis may have left the building, but God has not. Amen. Point number one for preaching points, David expresses an unrestrained delight in going to worship. An unrestrained delight in going to worship. We call this anticipation. Anticipation. There was an invitation. Let us go. Let us go. There was an impact. I was glad when they said, let us go. There was involvement. Our feet have been standing within the gates of Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, you picture this. The Jewish pilgrims have finally made their way up Temple Mount. Well, excuse me, not up Temple Mount at this point. They have entered the gates of Jerusalem. They're looking at Temple Mount and they're standing there chomping at the bit. I'm standing in the gate to Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of peace, the holy city. I'm standing here, and there, there's God right there. <laughs> We're going to meet with Him. We're going to meet with Him. Now, we understand in the New Testament that we don't have that temple. We are worshipers in spirit and in truth, so a worshiper can worship wherever they are, because they are in the presence of God, and the presence of God is within us as believers. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we ought to have the same zeal and passion that the early Jewish pilgrims have. There was great anticipation on that day. Matthew Henry says, Let us go together for the honor of God and for the mutual edification and encouragement of the body. We ought to anticipate God working in our midst. There are a couple of things we can learn from these verses. First of all, we should look forward to worshiping with God's people. Verse one says, I rejoiced, another version, with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem was important. It was important because that's where the temple was. The temple was important because that's where God met with his people. And so why was the pilgrim glad? Why did David express this delight? Because he was going to worship God with the people of God. Folks, there is no place in Scripture, again, for isolated Christianity. We are a public people. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it even more emphatic. We have been put on display for the glory of God. We are put on display. He has pulled back the curtains, opened the veil, and said, Here's my people, and they look just like me. Hello. Worshiping a holy God. The Old Testament Jew worshiping with God's people meant going to the temple. For the Christian, it means going to church. And so, in the context of this psalm, it begins with an invitation. I was glad when they said to me, Hey, come on, let's go. Let's go. But this verse is not just about inviting someone else to come to church. It's about inviting each other. It's about mutual encouragement, encouragement, encouraging each other together for worship. Whether you do that by a phone call, conversation, posting on Facebook, whatever you mean, let's keep the family in communication, encouraging each other throughout the week and building up expectation and excitement for the gathering coming the next Sunday. Amen. David, secondly, gives us a description of worship. He expresses his desire, and now he gives us a description, and along with anticipation comes expectation. Expectation. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord, as was decreed by Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. The joy of being together, Christian fellowship. Remember, the church is not the building, it's the people. And one of the benefits that we reap from weekly gathering and weekly worship is enjoying the closeness of Christian fellowship. As we read in later, and we'll be studying Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Psalm 133 is another psalm of ascent. As I said, we'll be there in, in a couple, three, four weeks. But it talks about the closeness. There is sweetness in Christian fellowship that you cannot get anywhere else. You can't. So that's one of the first benefits we reap from weekly gathering together for worship is enjoying the closeness of Christian fellowship. There's also a geographical uh, 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 illustration or, or truth in this. Jerusalem was a closed city, a walled city, a confined city. So once you entered in, there was this idea of being very close to one another within the security of the walls of Jerusalem the joy of bringing a testimony of thanks, praising God for the unity. We are not just members of a church. We are the church. We are, once again, the body of Christ. Romans 12, Paul writes, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ According to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith is service and serving the one who teaches and teaching, the one who exhorts and exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who contributes uh, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That's the body of Christ coming together. There's joy in the instruction of God's word. Pastor Adam was referring to this earlier this morning. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Excuse me, I'm reading from Colossians 3. Meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. Oh, doggone it, there it is again. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Brothers and sisters, we need to get that. Do you hear me? And don't listen to me. Listen to the word of God. He's the one speaking. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name lord in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him that's church folks that's church It's exciting, it's invigorating, it's challenging, it's convicting, it encourages, it admonishes, it corrects, all of these things, folks, that's church. And we ought to look forward to it every week. What's God going to do today as we gather? And I want to please note that worship is not something we do. It is not something we do. We are by design, worshipers, and people will worship something or someone. The born-again believer reserves their worship for the one and only true living God, who is worthy, which, as a matter of fact, is the point to be made, that's where the word worship comes from. It means worthiness. Worthiness, there's only one worthy of our praise, glory and honor. All glory, honor and praise goes to him who is seated on the throne, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we worship him. Worship is a lifestyle, not an event. It is a lifestyle. Jesus is seated on the throne. Remember the mention of thrones in our text. Well, Christ is now seated on the throne of David. At his rightful place of majesty, honor, and rule at the right hand of God the Father. And he hasn't missed a lick. He is in command. He is in command. Point number three. Not only was there a desire, not only do we have a description, but David David shows a fervent desire to participate. To participate, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, he says. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is mentioned over 800 times in the collective books of the Old and New Testament. There is something significant about this place, folks. You know why? Because according to Revelation 21, it's an eternal city. Now, the eternal city isn't going to look like the present city. But the fact is, Jerusalem is an eternal city, and it's promised in Scripture. So there's something significant about this. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Think of the Lord's passion for this city. Luke 19. And when he drew near, speaking of Christ, and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wept over the impending doom of the city. Now we know it will be rebuilt, but the temple has not, has not been rebuilt. So pray for the peace and unity of the church. Acts chapter 2 gives us a portrait of that. And they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those were being saved hello church hello church Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, "'I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, "'urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling "'to which you have been called "'with all humility and gentleness, "'in the bond of peace,' With patience, bearing one another, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through and in all. Pray for each other. Pray for each other, church. Perilous times that we live in. Horrible times, violent times, immoral, I would even say amoral times. There is no moral compass anymore in our nation except for you, the church. We are the moral compass for our culture and our society. And we owe no one an apology for that. It's that... Too many people make weekly worship an optional part of their lives. And the scripture makes it non-negotiable. And we're talking about those who are physically able. Make sure we understand that with clarity. Those who are not afflicted in any way or unable. So consider all of that, obviously. They don't think about much during the week. They don't look forward to it or anticipate it. When they do come, they treat it more like a duty rather than a delight. As a result, they miss out on so many benefits. That's the tragedy. The bottom line is this. Our love of God will in many ways be expressed through our desire together with his people on a regular basis. You cannot escape it. If you love God, you'll love his people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to the person sitting next to you on your right and say, I love you. Turn to the person sitting on your left and say, I'm working on it. God loves you and I'm trying. (laughs) But folks, that's the joy of fellowship. That's the joy of fellowship in unity. It doesn't mean we won't have differences along the journey. Please understand that. We understand that. We're we're held captive by this one common trait until Jesus comes, we're still all human. We're still all human. And we're gonna make mistakes. All of us. <laughs> I- I got to, boy, we was just down to the serious part, and you just done messed that up. (laughs) Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? Okay, here we go. I want everybody out there, this is the invitation for coming to Christ, and we'll get serious here in just a moment, I guarantee you. I want everybody in here to cross, to interweave their fingers like this. However you do it, just do it naturally. Now, I want you to tell me which thumb is on top. See how varying it is? I want you to know that left thumb on top is gene dominant. And I told my wife that's because men were created to dominate. That didn't go very well either. Uh. (laughs) Now now neither of my thumbs work. (laughs) It's an interesting genetic trait, isn't it? I got you all thinking about something of total no value whatsoever now. I would hope and pray that we can begin to view or continue to view weekly worship with God's people as a life-changing event. And if you are not in the habit of going to church and every week, let me encourage you, let me encourage you to take that next step of commitment. One author says you wouldn't dream of starting your day with food, and you shouldn't start your week without church. Here we are fed. Here we are nourished. Here we have fellowship. And we can truly encourage one another. We can laugh together. And you know what, folks? We cry together too. We cry together. Because we bear one another's burdens. And in like manner fulfill the law of God. I rejoiced. When those who said to me, let us go, let us go to the house of the Lord. You see, worship is not a spectator sport. I'm going to be very bold here and say, spectators generally become the greatest critics. Participants have no time for criticism. They are caught up in giving thanks to the Lord for all that he has done. I remember my father-in-law told me one time he was uh, very much interested in sports, played and umpired baseball in the community for years and years, and when he finally retired to the stands, he said, I finally found a place where I never make a bad call. You never make a bad call from the stands. There's an old illustration about... How preachers feel sometimes, and this is not to seek pity, it's just an illustration. Preachers feel like the lone gladiator in the arena with 500 spectators telling him how to hold his sword and shield. I don't feel that way in this church, folks. I want you to know that right now. From the very deep of my heart, I feel encouraged every week. When I come together with God's people, I feel encouraged and ready to go kick some rear. I would say, Can I say that? But it it's too late, I already said it. Christ has won the victory, and we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. The victory is ours through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Get in the game, get in the battle, get together on a weekly basis. Come with anticipation, expectation, and participation. This morning, let's exalt the Lord of the house. Father, thank you for the time that we have shared together this morning, praying and Hoping beyond hope that it has been pleasing to you, that you have been honored, Christ has been exalted, and people's hearts have been changed. Father, my heart has been changed through the study of these psalms. And I thank you for the power of your word. May we rejoice today and be glad because we have been in the house of the Lord together. And all of God's people said, Amen amen if you're here this morning and you've never accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior there is much of this message that really will not have a profound effect because it takes the power of the indwelling spirit to bring these truths alive and brings us alive the spirit imparts to us the life of christ And once the Spirit has imparted the life of Christ, we now have the desires of Christ and the passions of Christ. So this isn't something you teach someone. I can't teach enthusiasm for Christ. It comes through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so today, find out why there should be so much excitement in the house of the Lord. Come and meet the Lord of the house.